you know what? It's really fun to be here. Adrian Wojnarowski with breaking news in the NBA. Woj, what more can you tell us about what the format's going to look like and what teams will be there when the NBA season does resume in Orlando? L, the league office has a proposal now that it is sharing with team owners. There is a vote set for tomorrow afternoon where the league's board of governors uh, will approve a 22-team return to play uh, in Orlando beginning on July 31st. 13 teams from the Western Conference, nine from the East. Tell me why you think Boston, Jay Will, or Jay Rose, is the best team to unseat the Bucks. Because they have a core that's young, but actually experienced with playing with each other. That always means something. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Tatum is 21 years old. My God, is he coming. against Caruso, spins, gets inside, and banks it home. Boy, so impressive. Smart coming to the ball, loses Young, sticks a three. It's the shoulder down, takes it to the basket, kicks it to the corner. Nice fake by Hayward, pulls up for the jumper, it gets two. Jalen Brown, a strong first half. Oh, oh, oh strong and cut a body. Oh, boy. Oof. He just keeps getting better and better. Still move from Walker, and he puts it in. Kemba Walker with some razzle-dazzle. This is my MC's ticket to you, can I be? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 76 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. A lot to talk about this week. Celtics actually played two real basketball games. Well, they were scrimmages, but they played basketball over the weekend and they have two Real games, actual games, that matter, that count this week, including one scrimmage as well. But again, who cares about the scrimmages? But I do care about the scrimmages because the Celtics are back. So a whole glass case of emotions. But first off, I just want to say rest in peace to Reggie Lewis. 27 years ago today, one of the brightest, youngest stars the Celtics ever had, Reggie Lewis, passed away. He would have been an all-star for many, 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 many years to come. So he was one of my favorite players like growing up. I was only like six or seven or eight, but I still loved watching him play. I remember my dad telling me about him and stuff. So rest in peace to Reggie Lewis, one of, one of the best Celtics. Not of all time, but just one of the better Celtics that the Celtics have had. So let's get right into it, folks. Uh, we got to recap these two scrimmages. What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to try and give a player-by-player breakdown of how these two scrimmages went because, to be honest with you, team-wise, there wasn't a heck of a lot to talk about. It wasn't that great, but we got Stud and Dead of the Week coming back. We have Canter Banter coming back, so it should be 
a normal episode and I feel like everyone needs some normalcy with whatever the hell is going on in 2020. So the first game this past Friday night was against the Oklahoma City Thunder and they got absolutely smoked. They lost 98 to 84 and then yesterday because I record this on Monday yesterday they beat the Phoenix Suns 117 to 103 it was a little weird not seeing Aaron Baines play for the Phoenix Suns because he had COVID and you figure a guy like him a tough guy like him COVID didn't stand a chance but it actually took him out pretty good and hopefully he'll be back with the Phoenix Suns sooner rather than later But let's just start off this episode with a bang and get right into stud and dud of the week. Let's go. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. All right, it's back. Love that little jingle. Stud and dud of the week. The stud this week is Jalen Brown. Aggressive, confident, scored the ball at will. He was the best Celtics player all week. He was better than Tatum, Kemba, Hayward, Smart. You name it, Jalen Brown was the man. He shot the ball well. He shot the ball confidently, which you love to see. You know, If you were watching the game, Mike Gorman even said he made chicken salad out of, yeah, I guess that's an old school saying. I laughed when I heard it, but Jalen did a lot of great things. The only thing that I was a little concerned about was in the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, his foul trouble issues came up. I think he had four fouls with six minutes to go in the second quarter. Sometimes a little too aggressive on defense, but he's still a very good defender. And the way Jalen carried the offense when Jason Tatum looked awful, and we'll get back to that in a bit, in the first game against the Thunder. Jalen Brown was absolutely fantastic. And if Jalen Brown can play this well and Jason Tatum can play as well as he did in February and March, that is quite the one-two punch. And then you can have Kemba be your number three or Hayward have your number three, depending on the night, depending on the matchups, whatever the case may be. So the stud this week is Jalen Brown. And the dud of the week is Daniel Tice. Holy guacamole. Did he look awful, especially on defense. The game against the Thunder, Steven Adams made Daniel Tice his bitch. He had no shot. It would literally be like Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum pushing me around. I would get absolutely destroyed by those guys in the block, and that's what Daniel Tice was. Daniel Tice, like I mentioned last week, Daniel Tice, Cantor, Time Lord, Grant Williams, Taco, if he plays. Vincent Poirier, whatever the case may be, those guys need to be big. They need to be tough, and they need to defend. Because if you look at the games coming up this week, number one, you have the the Milwaukee Bucks. Sorry, stuttering Stanley there. You have the Milwaukee Bucks. That is going to be a tough matchup. Brooke Lopez, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they got to be big. Then you have... The Portland Trailblazers, they got Whiteside, they got Nurkic, they got Zach Collins. Like, those guys aren't going to be easy. And then, you know, you have the Heat coming up with Bam Adebayo and Marc Gasol with the Raptors. It's And then, don't even get me going on the Magic with Vujicic and Aaron Gordon and um, Isaac and all those guys down there. And Bo Mamba, like, those guys are going to destroy Daniel Tice if he plays the way that he played. It was horrific. He played so bad on defense. Sure, he had a couple nice dunks, a couple nice offensive sets. Cute, adorable. But we need Daniel Tice to play big 
and be tough. And he did not do that at all in any way, shape, or form. And it was, to be honest with you, it was kind of annoying. And it really drove me crazy. But plenty of time to adjust before the big game next Friday or this upcoming Friday against the Milwaukee Bucks. You have a smaller lineup this upcoming week on, I think, the Celtics play on Wednesday? Or is it Tuesday? I got to look at my notes. But the Celtics have a game against the Rockets, one last scrimmage, and that's a smaller lineup, so will Tice not be needed as much? I don't know. It'll be very, very interesting to see. All right, let's break down everyone else. We already got the sudden out of the week. Let's start off with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum in game one, he looked terrific. His defense was very good. His hands up in passing lanes, got a couple steals, got a couple deflections. You love to see that his defense is still a priority of his, and he loves to be committed on the defensive end, so I'm all for that offensively holy crap it looked like he golfed a lot and i know he has golfed a lot but man he could not hit he literally it would be like three putting on a green that that's basically how bad he was it was it was atrocious absolutely atrocious but in game two he missed his first couple shots but then he hit one of his classic step back three pointers got himself into a rhythm took better shots and he played really well especially in that second quarter got some steals Got some easy dunks, some easy layups, some good, tough, contested shots. Mikel Bridges played some really good defense on him for a couple of possessions, but that didn't stop him. He still got the shots off. They still went in. So, Jason Tatum, please, I know you listen to this religiously, and I thank you. Ha, ha, ha. But, Jason Tatum, stay committed on defense, and those easy shots on offense will come because of it. I promise you, and that will get you in a good rhythm. He did miss a couple free throws that I wasn't pleased with because Jason's usually a reasonable free throw shooter you know he's much better than Jalen Brown on the free throw line but you know between the two of them fire and ice Jalen and Jason Jalen was much much better than than Jason Tatum I know Jason Tatum said yesterday after the game that he's very happy to be back he loves playing the game and all that stuff which is great and I'm all for it but I need you to be better Please and thank you, Jason Tatum. Thanks so much. Let's move on to Gordon Hayward, shall we? Gordon Hayward, again, just like Tatum, a little rusty, but he shot the ball okay. But then in game two, he played much better, just like Tatum. The first half, he was quiet, but Brad Stevens, the I think it was the first or second possession of the game, set a double screen for him. He went to you know that classic Gordon Hayward spot between top of the key between the free throw line and three point line stuck a jumper hit, hit a couple open threes in the corner Marcus Smart found him which was very good to see I love Marcus and Gordon playing together I think they work well with each other they find each other they make sure that each of them get open shots etc cetera, etc cetera. so I thought that was really really good and I I enjoyed that thoroughly uh, Marcus Smart in the first game he just made me angry he, he was just chucking up shots like, you know, the reason why I've been kind of meh towards Marcus Smart before this season because he was just, oh, look, it's open, but it's not a good shot, but it's open. I'm just going to chuck it up there. He was 0-5 from 3. Um, he did force some passes as well in the first game. They weren't great, but in the second game, he did a great job finding the open guys he didn't miss a shot he was five of five from the field i think he had four or five assists he was absolutely fantastic he found Cantor for a lot of good hoops him and Cantor, if they can play like they did today some pick and roll finding each other in the lane you know Cantor sealing off defenders Cantor sealed off a defender one time when jason katayden went in for an easy dunk which was great to see so he'd love to see that 
but Marcus Smart defensively in the Thunder game really wasn't that great. I thought he'd do a better job whether it was on uh, SGA or CP3 or Dennis Schroeder, but he didn't do that great of a job. So game one, yeah. Game two, bravo, job well done by Marcus Smart. Because if that game two, Marcus Smart, is what we can get until this is over, hopefully in October, if not before then, then what? Then um, I'll be thrilled. I'll be absolutely thrilled. Kemba Walker, he didn't play in the first game. He only played nine minutes in the second game. He admitted that he will be on a minute restriction until the playoffs, so that will be very interesting to see how the Celtics handle that, especially when it comes to seeding. You know, if they're only a half game out, and it's game seven of this eight little game play-in that they're doing. Um, do you break the minute restriction? I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, for sure. When Kemba did play, he was very aggressive. He forced some shots, but, you know, that's the Kemba that we're used to. Uh, he did step in and try and take a charge. I, I love seeing that, but he his first step looked good early in the first quarter. He was down in the corner. He had um, DeAndre Ayton on him, and he blew right by him, went up for the tough basket and won. Looked like he landed okay. So as long as Kemba can improve with his healthy knee, I know I was freaking out last week, and I'm still freaking out because this is a long-term situation, I think, with Kemba. This isn't just, oh, hey, he had a knee issue, but they have to take a serious look once this little bubble's over about Kemba's knee. If he has to miss the first two months of the 2020-2021 season, fine, so be it. I'm all for it. Let's make it happen. Now, it's time for Cantor Banter. So hit the music. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cancer Banter, baby. Wow! All right. Cancer Banter. It's back. You, you love to hear it. You love to see it. Uh... Ennis Cantor is so bad on defense. Holy mother of God. His footwork on defense is so bad. When someone sets a pick on him and he has to try and hedge and then backpedal or turn his body properly, oh my God, it is gruesome to watch. It is awful. Terrible, horrific, bleh. Like, you name it, it's so. His footwork is awful on defense. But his footwork on offense, five feet from the basket, oh. It's a beautiful thing to watch. I was okay with how Ennis Cantor played overall. You know, his offense was really good. His rebounding was really good. And then his defense sucks. So if you average those out, you're content. But man, Cantor is going to get absolutely destroyed with quicker big guys. Like, for example, if... uh, Oh, God, what's his name on the Raptors? Their backup young big. Boucher? Boucher? Something like that. I think it's Bo- it's B-O-U-C. I know how to spell it, but I can't pronounce it. I think it's Bosher. But someone like him who's going to back up Mark Gasol and help spread the floor, Cantor is going to get absolutely toasted by him when they play the Raptors. It makes me want to throw up thinking about it. But he rebounded the ball very well. He had 13 boards over the two games. He had double-double against Thunder, which is great to see. I think he had 11-10. and 10. He only had three or four rebounds in the game against the Suns, but overall, no issues with Ennis Cantor. I just, man, I just wish the dude could play defense because he would be, I know I've been saying all year in the playoffs, the game slows down, but like, I don't know if it's going to slow down when they're in the bubble. You know, like, do these guys want to take up as much time as possible and play really slow? Because 
if you think about it, they probably participate in basketball four to five hours a day. Even if they sleep for eight, what the hell are they going to do with their other 11 hours while they're down in a bubble? It's pretty crazy. So, Cantor, just work on – stop swimming. Stop doing sand volleyball and just work on your footwork defensively. Let's talk about the rest of the bench. You know, we don't have to dive deep. You know, they did get a good chunk of minutes, which was good to see. I don't think they're going to get a lot of minutes against the Rockets this upcoming week, their last scrimmage, because I think you really need to get Tatum and Hayward and Smart and Brown playing 30 minutes to kind of get them back into game shape, unless that's the plan for these eight play-in games, if you will. Uh, Semi Ojale, we'll start off with him. No issues, really. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that as long as Shemi is set and wide open and there's no defenders around him, let it loose. Just shoot it, bud. What the hell do I care? There were a couple plays where he kind of forced a shot, tried to create his own shot. And no, you are literally a set shooter. Don't try and do anything else. Uh, he played good defense. He was physical, classic Shemi. So nothing really bad to say about him. Grant Williams, I can't stress enough how much the Celtics need Grant Williams to play big. I watched Brandon Clark last night. They played against the Rockets. And I need, I know I talk about Brandon Clark all the time because I'm still angry that the Celtics didn't draft him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you need I if Grant Williams was like two and a half inches, three inches taller, it would make a world of a difference. Because when he sets a screen, you can see it's like running into a brick wall. I mean, he is he's built. He is solid. But I need him to be more active on offense i need him to be more active on the boards and defensively he does a good job but i we need him to do a great job that's coming out him canter like defensively i just can't trust the two of them you know like off the bench if it's wanamaker smart insert either jalen jason gordon and then grant williams and canter defensively like like, I trust Marcus Smart being more physical than Grant Williams and Ennis Cantor. But I think we can all agree that, duh, n- no shit, right? But Grant Williams, he, he hit a three, you know. I Everyone keeps saying his shot's improved. He's hitting threes. So if he can spread the floor, like I mentioned last week, I'm all for it. So Grant Williams, again, no issues really. Brad Wanamaker. I thought he was solid in both games. I'm team Brad Wanamaker. I know everyone and their mother hates him, which may be the reason why I like him a little bit more than I probably should. But to be honest with you, as your third point guard on the team, 6 of 13, 5 boards, 6 assists, and 2 turnovers combined, I absolutely love that. I have no issue with that in any single way, shape, or form. I am all for it. So Brad Wanamaker, keep doing you. Sure, some of his decision-making isn't ideal. Maybe some of his shot selection isn't ideal either. But when the playoffs get physical, I am here for Brad Wanamaker playing over Tremont Waters. Tremont Waters, I know a lot of people love him, and I know a lot of people want him to replace uh, Brad Wanamaker. Tremont Waters can run the offense better than Brad Wanamaker. Tremont Waters led the team in assist against the Thunder. He had some unbelievable looks and assist against the Suns. He knows exactly where guys are going to be. He's definitely much more of a point guard than Brad Wanamaker is. I have no problem saying that in any single way, shape, or form. I just don't trust Tremont Waters defensively or physically when they play bigger guards. For example, can you see if Russell Westbrook is out with four of the 
the I was going to say Oklahoma City Thunder, but that's not the case. The four bench guys from the Houston Rockets. Who would you want to guard Russell Westbrook? Sorry, my brain literally just stopped moving. Uh, who would you want guarding Russell Westbrook? Tremont Waters or Brad Wanamaker? The answer is probably neither of them, but gun to the head if you had a pick, you do Brad Wanamaker. He's taller, he's bigger, he's more physical, and maybe he could handle Russell Westbrook a little bit better. And that's what you're going to need in the playoffs, which is why I think Brad Wanamaker, if they split minutes, I'm okay with that. I know that's not going to be a lot of minutes, especially in the playoffs, but Tremont Water, you know, I, I, I wish it was kind of like lacrosse, you know. You could have one guy running on offense, another guy running on defense, but that's that's not going to be the thing. Let's talk about the Time Lord. Uh, Time Lord did some good and did some bad, but I was pleased. He was a little, he's a little lazy when he go up, goes up for rebounds. Has anyone else noticed that? Like he just like jumps, but I need more from that from him. I need him to like go up and just get the mother effing rebound. Just go up and get it. He shot sixty percent from the field against the Thunder, which I thought was great. Um, you know, his very first shot was like a baseline Kevin Garnett jumper, and you're like, no, 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 no. That's not for you. But overall, he took some good shots. He finished at the at the rim well. He can finish better. I just wish he would just gain like 20 pounds of muscle, be more physical, and go like treat every single rebound like it's the last rebound you'll ever get. Because there were a couple of rebounds this past Sunday that he went up and got, and I was just like, dude, you couldn't be more relaxed. And I get it. It's a scrimmage, but... It's good to kind of get in the rhythm, get in the feel, get in the motions. And maybe he doesn't think he's going to play that much. But I think he's going to play more than he thinks that he's going to play. So we need him. Um, Taco, Vincent, and Javante Green didn't really play enough. I mean, Taco didn't play at all from what I saw. Um, But and Javante Green didn't play enough for me to talk about them. So, you know. I like Javante Green. I just don't think he's going to get any minutes. You guys know I love Vincent Play, but he didn't get anything. And, oh, yeah, Romeo Langford. Romeo Langford didn't play against the Thunder due to some stomach issues. Maybe he got some food poisoning down at Disney World. Maybe he ate too many Dino Nuggets or Mickey Mouse-themed Nuggets. Who knows? But he shot three of six from the field against the Suns, two of five from three, one of three from the free throw line. His free throw shooting sucks. My God, does it suck. But he, I, folks, we all know that I am not on the Romeo Langford bandwagon. I would cut all the tires on it if I could. But I can compliment him. I have no problem admitting that he had a nice, reasonable, content game against the Suns. He had a couple nice backdoor cuts. Tremont Waters found him. But I need him to do that against the bigger guns in the playoffs. I don't think we're going to see it. But he def- I think, in my opinion, I don't know if it's just because I'm this happy that the Celtics are back and I'm just blinded by the light, but that was Romeo Langford's best game or best stint with the Celtics, I thought. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll stand with that. Now, is it Brandon Clark-like? Nope. But what I saw to Romeo was definitely an improvement. And hopefully that can continue for the Celtics next season because I honestly don't think we'll see him a lot in the playoffs. Overall, as a team, the defense was so bad. The de- like the communication, it was it was just brutal. The rotations were awful. It's like they didn't know what to do. It's like they almost like forgot how to like switch 
what you need to do if someone else's switch and if they kick over and you go and double why other guys have to rotate over and get to corner shooters they didn't fly out on the shooters like they normally do their transition defense was nowhere to be found there was no hustle i know it's a scrimmage tim relax but that's just what the celtics are known for they're known to get back i mm, man their defense sucked and even Brad Stevens talked about it after the Oklahoma City game. You know, Chris Paul was very vocal with his team. They needed the players to be more vocal after game one. The Celtics bench was very vocal in game two. You could hear it. You could also hear the stampede that was running underneath the court. You know, the NBA has microphones under the court, which is really cool. I'm all for it. But sometimes, without the crowd noise, it literally sounds like the scene from The Lion King where Mufasa, like, dies. Where he just, you know, Scar pushes him over and there's a stampede. That's literally what it, I don't know why it just went that dark. But that's literally what it sounded like. It was absolutely ridiculous. The offense from the Thunder game to the Suns game was night and day. It really wasn't that great. But it just seemed like the defense was rusty and it just went through the motions. And it just really wasn't anything ideal. But I just hope, you, you could notice the communication difference from game one to game two it was improvement i'm for that but their defensive rotations and their transition defense was so bad if i could make it the dud of the week i would but we only do it for individual players but i know that the celtics are a good defensive team i know they're a little rusty they want to get back into the flow of things hopefully that can work with the houston rockets the communication gets even better and the rotations get better i mean at this point anything will be better with the defensive rotations holy mother of god all right so that's my thoughts on the last two games and then we got three games this week three games of celtics basketball you love to see it so two real games one scrimmage the scrimmage is against the houston rockets at 8 p.m all these games are going to be on nbc sports boston i thought mike and Scal did a great job doing everything. I love listening to Mike and Scal. They have good conversations. They're funny, etc., etc. No offense against Tommy, but like Tommy just I just can't listen to Tommy anymore. I don't mind him in the studio with Trapes, but like that's about it. Anyways, so the scrimmage, Houston Rockets. It will be 8 p.m. Tuesday, July 28th, which is tomorrow if you're listening on Monday, or today if you're listening on Tuesday, or yesterday if you're listening on Wednesday, etc. etc. Their first real game. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, the first real game against Milwaukee Bucks, Friday, July 31st at 6.30 p.m. I think that's going to be an ESPN game, nationally televised, if you don't like watching NBC Sports Boston. And then on Sunday, August 2nd, 3 p.m. versus the Portland Trailblazers. That should be a fun game. I'm really looking forward to that game, but the Bucks game is more important. Just real quick, what am I looking for in the scrimmage against the Rockets, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Will the starters, like I mentioned, play more than 30 minutes? How is Brad going to treat getting these guys back into shape? Because I think Jalen played over a little bit over 25 minutes against the Suns. He, I think everyone else maybe played like 21 or 22 minutes. You know, the Tatums, the Haywards, the Smarts, uh, the Browns of the world, Tice. I think those guys played a little over 20 minutes against the, Th- the Thunder, if I remember correctly. But... I just want to know how Brad's going to treat these guys. Is he going to throw them right into the wind and basically just, hey, you're going to play 35 minutes against the Bucks, but you're only going to play 20 minutes against, you know, the Rockets, the Suns, and the Thunder. 
So that'll be interesting. I'm also looking at the offense. Will guys who can score the ball get better shots? Jalen Brown right now is getting great shots, even though some of them are very difficult. And you're like, what do you do? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I dig that. But I'm interested to see if Brad sets up more shots for Jason, more set plays for Jason, more set plays for Gordon Hayward. How will Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker find their shots? Only when the time is right, because I know Marcus Smart thinks he is at least a top two scoring option when he's out there, but he needs to be like the fourth scoring option out there. As long as, you, you know, if, if, if it's him and Hayward and Cantor and Tice and, well, I don't think Tice and Cantor would ever be on the floor together, but you get what I'm saying. If Marcus Smart and three of the bench guys are out there with one of the starters, Marcus Smart should be the second scoring option. I agree with that. But when you're out there with Gordon and Jalen and, uh, Gordon, Jalen, Jason, and Tice. Like, if Kemba's not playing, then sure, you're the fourth at best. That's it. So, hopefully, Kemba and Marcus can find their shots and let Jalen, Gordon, and Jason do their things. Like I just mentioned a couple week, uh, a couple minutes ago, the transition defense it has to get better. The Houston Rockets, they have a very small lineup. We had to deal with that before the All Star break, or was it right after the All Star break? I forget when we played the Rockets. I feel like the All-Star game in February was 8 to 12 years ago. It, it it honestly seems like forever. February seems like it was centuries ago. Anyways, because 2020, every day gets worse than the, the one before it. Anyways, the small lineup for the Houston Rockets, I think, will help with the transition defense for the Celtics because now they know they're going to have to get back. The Suns run because they're a young team. They're probably not tired, but, like, Harden and Russell Westbrook and Covington and all those guys, they're going to run, 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 run. So hopefully that will help the Celtics be better with their transition defense. And then finally, the defensive rotations have to get better. The Suns are a good shooting team, but the Bucks are a great shooting team. So this is a good chance to get out on shooters, rotate well, fly, etc., etc. So... I'm really just focused on the defense against the Rockets. The Rockets are a very good offensive scoring team. They have the number one scorer in the league in James Harden. Try not to make sure that he takes 78.5 million free throws during the game, and you should be good. Now, let's talk about the real games, the Bucks and the Trailblazers. First, let's start with the Bucks. I'm going to go right on the limb. Giannis is going to get his, and I don't care. I don't care anymore. It's It's almost like the LeBron thing many, many moons ago. My whole thing was, you know, 08, 09, 11, 12, 13, 14. However many times you play LeBron James in the playoffs, you almost want to say, make sure LeBron James doesn't get his. Let the other team beat you. I At this point, I don't care if Giannis gets 30 and 12 because the Bucks still need to score another 90, you know, 80 to 90 points to beat the Celtics as long as the Celtics are going on all cylinders. I just don't like when you add 9 or 10 assists to a stat line. If Giannis has 30, 12, and 9, that's an issue. If Giannis has 30, 12, and 2, like 2 assists, I'm fine with that. If the Celtics can't control the paint and make life diff- like difficult for him, and he will have to be forced to make passes out, they can recover properly and quickly enough. They have before. This is all about defensive rotation. So if Shemi is guarding Giannis, and Tice comes over to double, and Giannis wants to skip over... Who's ever on that weak side has to fly over, and then who's ever on the strong side has to move to the top of the key, etc., etc. 
it I it's a podcast. I'm not going to try and show you. Oh, I can't show you or try to explain it to you more. But if the Celtics hammer down on Giannis on the post, they have to be ready to fly and rotate, ready to go. Because as we know, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, DiVincenzo, uh, Connington, George Hill, Eric Bledsoe are all good shooters. All of them. I'm sure well, Kyle Korver. They're all good, good shooters. So they have to get out there and recover properly. Tice, Grant, Tatum, Time Lord, Cantor, whoever the bigs are. Brooke Lopez can shoot the ball well, especially when he gets going. He went off in, I think, the second Bucks game. He hit a bunch of threes. We cannot allow Brooke Lopez to go off and let Giannis to go off. It's going to have to be one or the other. Seriously. If Giannis gets 30 and Brooke Lopez only gets six points, that is a win for the Celtics. Because then you have to rely on George Hill and Chris Middleton. And that's the thing. For the love of God, just one time can we not let Chris Middleton shoot, you know, 99 out of 100 against the Celtics. I don't know what it is. Does he, like, hate the Celtics? Like, did he grow up a Lakers fan? I, the 76ers fan? I don't get it. He loves playing against the Celtics more than anyone. More than I like, I think Chris Middleton loves playing against the Celtics more than I love watching the Celtics. It's unbelievable how how well he does. He always crushes them. Twenty two, like the twenty. Even if he were to get twenty two points, it's on like eight of nine shooting. It it it's bananas. So control Brook Lopez, control Chris Middleton. I'm interested to see how Kemba plays against Eric Bledsoe. Kemba obviously isn't 100%. Eric Bledsoe hasn't played yet, as far as I know. I've been trying to follow the Bucks the best that I can because I'm really more focused on the Raptors and the Heat and the 76ers because that's that's what's important. That's based on, based on the seeding because, let's be honest, we're not no one's catching the Bucks for the one seed. So I've been watching the Raptors games and the Heat games and the 76ers games. 76ers look good. But Joel Embiid has a calf issue. What's going to happen there? But Ben Simmons looks healthy as hell, which is which is scary. Um, but yeah, don't let Middleton and Brooke Lopez go off. How will Eric Bledsoe handle Kemba Walker? Will he be more physical with him because of what's going on? Will that distract Kemba, et cetera, et cetera? I'm also interested in the benches. The Bucks have a great bench. That is why they are one of the best teams in the league. But can Smart, Cantor, and Grant Williams, can they step up? Can they be important pieces? If they don't play well, the, t- the Celtics will have a tough time winning this game. Like Marcus Smart has to be better than George Hill. George Hill is such an important piece to what the Bucks do, especially coming off the bench. Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, if they're going to be out there as well when Kyle Korver's out there, they're going to have to run around with their heads cut off. Tatum has to do a good job defensively on Chris Middleton or Jalen Brown as well. If you want to put Marcus Smart there, sure, but Chris Middleton can get a shot over Marcus Smart because of height. So if let me just say this before we move on to the Trailblazers game. If the Celtics lose to the Bucks, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to be concerned about it. It's if they get down about it and get frustrated and then lose to the Trailblazers Sunday, August 2nd at 3 p.m., that's where I'm going to start getting a little bit worried because I think the Celtics are a better team than the Trailblazers. I think we can all agree with that. They are getting back some important pieces, though. 
that being the Portland Trailblazers. Nurchett's coming back. He's one of the top 10 centers in the league. How will Daniel Tice deal with him? And then you also have Zach Collins. Zach Collins is a really good player. From Gen- He went to Gonzaga, didn't he? Wasn't he like Kelly Olenek 2.0 for them? I know I hate to say 2.0 anything for Kelly Olenek. But, yeah. Yeah, I think he went to Gonzaga. I'm confident that he went to Gonzaga. He's quick. He's good. He's He's fast. Guess who's not? And it's Cantor. So is Grant Williams going to have to guard him? Is the Time Lord going to have to come out and guard him? So that'll be interesting. But Tice and Cantor with Nurkic, Collins, and Whiteside. They're going to have to play big. Kemba versus Dame. Will Kemba be able to keep up with Dame? Will... Because the last time the Trailblazers and the Celtics played each other, Kemba didn't play because that was before the All-Star break. So, and as we all know, Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was after the All-Star break. And as we all know, Kemba was still hurt then because we haven't seen Kemba really play in a really long time. And the Trailblazers coming here at the end of March, uh, which is why they only played him once so far this season because they were coming to the Garden at the end of March. I think it was like a Sunday afternoon game. No, it was actually a Friday night game, like a 7.30 game, if I still memorize the schedule properly because I'm a nutcase. But Kemba versus Dame, that's important. Just... Don't let Dame go off. Marcus Smart being out there will be good. I'm also interested in C.J. McCollum versus Jalen Brown. C.J. McCollum uh, against the Raptors last night had a hell of a game. Very, very impressive. Jalen can use his size, be physical with him, get to the free throw line, post him up as much as you possibly can because I don't think C.J. McCollum's that great of a defender. And then you have Jason Tatum versus Carmelo Anthony. Tatum will have to use his defense against Melo. Skinny Melo is back. Carmelo Anthony is playing good basketball. We all know that I do not like Carmelo Anthony on this podcast. I think he's beyond overrated, minus Olympic Melo. USA Basketball Olympic Carmelo Anthony is something else. He is a treat. But Tatum will have to work on, will have to make Melo work on defense. The last time they, these two guys played against each other, Tatum dropped 36 points. He went to the line quite a bit. Get Mello in foul trouble. Let him get frustrated. If he becomes a mental case, his offensive game goes away. And if we can control Dame and whatchamacallit, CJ McCollum will be good. Trevor Rees is not playing for the Portland Trailblazers. He has decided not to play in the bubble uh, due to you know, family health concerns. Don't knock him for it at all. I, I salute him for it. So that's that. I, I think the Celtics, I don't really care if they win or lose the Rockets game to be honest with you, but I want to be able next Monday, episode 77, to be able to talk about how the Celtics went 1-1 one one or 2-0. They cannot go 0-2 because after that, they have the Heat, they have the Raptors, they have a couple tough games. They really do. I know they have the easiest schedule after those games, but overall, they have to start off strong here. They really do. I think a lot of there's a lot of pressure on the Celtics, and they have to overcome it and play very well. Like, if they lose to the Bucks by five, I'll take it as a win. Uh, the Bucks are that good, but you can't lose to the Trailblazers. I know that they're fighting for a playoff spot, and they want it, and they're good again with Nurkic and Collins being back, but you got to go one-on-one one this weekend. So uh, that's that. That's episode 76 of the Banner Branch Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I'm looking forward to next week. Looking forward to three Celtics games this week. Absolutely bananas. Three Celtics games this week. Whew, whew. Grab somebody sexy. Tell them, hey. 
But that's it. Uh, you guys can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanter Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Black Lives Matter. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Stay cool this week. The heat wave in New England. Holy moly. My God. Stay cool. Talk soon. Thanks so much for listening. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.